0: Welcome to the Brain Trust Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield. Whether you're a leader, a coach, a salesperson, or even a parent, this podcast focuses on how to leverage the science of decision making to help you become a more impactful communicator and a driving force for change. Welcome back to the Driving Change Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bloomfield, and today's guest. Is none other than the infamous Jeff Ruby. Now, if you're from Cincinnati, it's not that Jeff Ruby. Uh, it's somebody probably even more infamous because he is known globally as a beast when it comes to leadership development, sales enablement, driving change. It, he, he's just a—he's a good friend, and though he's in Tampa, Florida today, where he founded Red Rock Leadership, I will tell you his roots run scarlet and gray. He's a Buckeye. Born and raised, uh, Jeff and I share a, a commonality and a love for people. A love to see people grow and change. But we also have a little bit of uh, Akron zip blood uh, that runs through us. We we both uh, crossed paths on Exchange Street and Akron back in the college days, and uh, just been a friend for a long time. We started our businesses uh, close to the same time frame, so we've we've been walking this path almost parallel in two different states. Um, I love the guy to death. He's a strong man of faith great family guy, and somebody that I think everybody today will get a lot out of. So Jeff, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. You're too kind. Thank you for the introduction.
0: Well, you know, that was, that was what the money you paid me. That's what it gets you right there. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, I know that this has been a trying time for a lot of business owners. You're a business owner. I'm a business owner. We, we work, coach, train, equip business owners. Um, Before I, I normally dive straight into the origin story, like, you know, your why and your purpose. But before I do, I want to start today actually with how are things been going for you in Florida, the business community? How has everybody been handling this virus, this this pandemic? And do you have any advice for the, we have a lot of business owners, small business owners out there that are listening, as well as executives and leaders who are trying to figure out how to navigate through this change right now.
1: Right. Jeff, this is what we've been, you know, Living for, I mean, I don't mean it in a, in a in a derogatory way, but the reality is, you know, as leaders, um, these are the times that we should be uh, that that we should welcome, right? This is this is game time for us, and you know, the companies that I've been working with, fortunately, uh, many of the principles and things that we've covered throughout the years, um, and the way they've had to uh, you know, inspire and encourage them, their own people through this. Uh, has come back to return dividends. So, in the, in a the little world that I live in, um, it's been a uh, it's been a an interesting ride. Ah, uh, you know what's going on outside of our walls. Um, it is sad. It's tragic um, to to know that people are getting uh, sick and uh, that this thing is is running rampant. and uh, it it can be a little bit um, disturbing sometimes and sometimes daunting if you turn on the news or look at social media to see that there's differing opinions from what's happening and where we're going and how we're going to get there. But the reality is this uncertainty, Uh, should fuel a good leader's fire and uh, should put that leader in a position to continue to point to their core values, continue to point uh, in the direction of a positive future because um, we know as these things happen uh, as quickly as they as they come in, then they leave and they' and you've got to be prepared to continue to charge forward. So um, you know yes, the business community' has been rocked, businesses have been rocked, lives have been inconvenienced. Um, my My mission and my my charge has just consistently been continue to look to a positive future. And as a leader in your home, uh, your church, your your community, your business, uh, continue to point to a positive future. Uh, you know it's coming.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I couldn't agree more with you on the concept of of I've been watching leaders and been challenging myself looking in the mirror as well. Right. That, you know, you've heard the expression that during a crisis, it doesn't build, uh, you know, leadership character. It reveals it. Yep. For sure. And I'm seeing that all around and, and I'm listening to stories about leaders who are doing it exceptionally well and then other leaders who are probably not doing it so well. And coming on the other out the other side of this thing, there's going to be a, a culture shift in a lot of organizations based on the, either the success or the failure of their leaders in this time.
1: No question about it. No question about it. I, and I think now more time than ever, people are gravitating toward good leadership, uh, toward great leadership. Uh, they're, they're beginning to see that if they're not going to be able to uh, be under it, then they're going to take charge and, and be it. And so for me, uh, there's a lot of things about what's happening right now uh, that is, in, is, is an encouragement and, and really leads to inspiration of, uh, of, again, looking toward a positive future.
0: Yeah, let, I want to get into that a little bit later on because you've got a lot of this stuff in your book that you just released last month. And I want to talk about that uh, as we get into the into the show. But now let's back up for a second because, you know, none of us arrive at where we are today of our of our own. Uh, we, we like to think we have control over our own destinies. But for all of us, we've been molded and formed, you know, way back from the womb to today. And, and, and what's, what's been your path from the time you were just a little Buckeye? Uh, what's been your path that's kind of created this desire in you? To walk a purpose path that has been passionate about helping other people, where would that come from?
1: Well, I mean, I didn't hear you say before we got started that this was going to be a three-hour podcast. Does everybody? <laughs> do all the listeners know that? I mean, this is going to be a long run on the treadmill for them.
0: They pay extra for that. This, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll truncate it.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, well, you, you know, here here's the story of of Jeff Ruby born and raised in a little town uh, outside of Akron and that's how you know it's a small town because it's outside of Akron and uh you know just um grew up any town USA I call it and you know my parents uh you know working middle class um good solid work ethic um you know my, me and my sister and um as as we grew up um I was it was evident that I was had this sort of entrepreneurial drive very industrious uh, as soon as I could push a lawnmower, I was pushing a lawnmower and, you know, just, you know, getting lawnmowing accounts. And, and then I could fling a newspaper and I was delivering newspapers and um, I'm dating myself and... <laughs> kids used what to. Are that, what are those? <laughs> right. <laughs> sling a, sling a newspaper at a front door. But, um, you know, then, you know, you have to go around and actually collect for the money and things like that. Then I started uh, making soda can lamps and selling those. And, and uh, you know, when you're a young kid and you're doing all these things, of course, you're getting all these strokes and accolades and, you know, and and it just, that would just fuel my, fuel my intensity. And the the more I'd get praised, the more I'd charge forward. And that brought me into my teen years and my dad had owned a company and i started going out and selling soaps and detergents to the truck washing industry. And uh, so I was going door to door for commercial businesses, just cold calling and started to see some success there. And again, more accolades and making some money. And so uh, my high school years, I finished those up and decided I was going to, you know, uh, go to college and that lasted about a semester and a half. And uh, I started selling Kirby vacuum cleaners going door to door. And again, um, sold 45 Kirby vacuum cleaners in three months, dropped out of college. And, uh, my junior achievement advisor from college had reached out to me when he found out I dropped out of college and he said, Hey, listen, uh, or my junior achievement advisor from high school had contacted me when I dropped out of college. And he said, uh, you know, are you going to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners for the rest of your life? And, and, uh, it's a great vacuum. And I said, sure. I mean, it's, I mean, you can make great money. I'm good at it. And it's a great vacuum. And he says, um, you know keep me in mind if if things ever don't go well and um, a couple of months later, I uh, just got to thinking that you know where my life was going and reached out to him, and I said, "Hey, let's talk and he became a mentor for me and i and I left that business and and went to work for his mechanical heating and air conditioning business um, and I started very humbly, he was paying me a hundred bucks a week plus commission, and again started selling and again, here come the accolades and you know, and here come the money, and married my high school sweetheart and then we had uh, our first daughter, and you know we built a big, beautiful home, and you know you could just see the the empire rising, right? And and, the, and making the money, and the empire's rising, and the egos rising. And I hit 30 years old, Jeff, and um, I I so I told people I said I was a legend in my own mind at the age of 30. And um, I mean I was living large, spending large, living large. I was taking it all in, man. I it was it was just anything I could get my, my, my arms around, uh, to consume. I did it. I just, I was just a huge consumer of stuff and things and feelings and anything that would build the ego and fill the bank account. And, um, so here I am in my, uh, my thirties and I, I started that business. It was a sales training, um, franchise. And for the first time in my life, Jeff, uh, I had wreck, I, I'd, I'd realized or tasted failure from a professional uh, perspective, and it wasn't fun. I, I racked up some debt. Uh, we began to have an economic uh, downturn, and um, things weren't going right. And I remember my wife um, coming to me, and she had joined a Bible study with a, a group of women, and we were going to church. And uh, she says, "Yeah, I'm doing this Bible study, and I said, be careful careful about reading that Bible, you know, (laughs) fundamental here, you know. And uh, she started to read it. She got just drawn in and um, God just began to transform her thinking. And I remember her looking at me one day, um, right around 30, 31, 32. She looked at me and she says, "Um, you don't have any joy. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And uh, my emotion, you know, my go-to emotion is anger. It's just, just how the Lord built me. And I remember just, just this rage inside of me, just thinking to myself, you know, how could she say something like this to me after all I've provided this family with, after everything that I have done, right? <laughs> after all of the money I have made us, after all of the fun that I have created for us, how could she have said this to me? And the more I said it, the, the worse I felt. Well, we, I get into my mid-30s, and all of a sudden, I get surrounded with some guys who invite me to this Bible study myself. I start going to this Bible study, and next thing you know, it's 5.30 in the morning on January 25th, 2005, and I'm sitting at my kitchen table, and I find myself praying for the Lord to forgive me of my sins. And to take over my life, and um, that was January twenty fifth, two thousand five. And I didn't see any lightning, didn't hear any thunder, the ground didn't move, Um, but certainly something had happened. And it was—I knew that the Lord had put a call in my life, and and it began to to draw me near. Um, And just to kind of bring this this story in for a landing, what was amazing was for the next two years, some crazy things would happen. Um, I would sell my business. We would move to Tampa, Florida. Uh, but my, my walk, uh, in the world actually intensified and things actually got worse. They didn't get better. Um, until one day, um, the day after my wife's birthday, actually, um, uh, I, I, again, um, dropped to my knees and, um and really asked the Lord to take from me uh, a lot that w- I believe was holding me back. And a lot of those things were things like um, just some of the habits that I had that weren't healthy and some of the idols that I had. And uh, I turned those over to him. And at that point, uh, I, I know that there was transformation started to happen. And that was 2007. Uh, that brought me to 2010 when I started Red Rock. And um, I'll, st- I'll stop it right there because I know you want to ask me some more questions. But I will tell you that from that point on, 2007, Um, I finally realized what my wife had told me when I was in my early 30s about joy. And, um, you know, it's times like this that um, you can't undo the joy. Um, It's supernatural. I can't explain it. Um, I try to. uh, I just get tongue-tied when I do. But, um, the reality is, there, there, is a, there is a sense of peace that I have that never goes away. And I'm so grateful for that. And the funny thing is, um, I, I, I've lost my desire to fill my bank account. I've lost my desire to, you know, hoard those idols, to, to live that worldly lifestyle of partying and all that stuff. I just don't have those desires anymore. Um, I, I have a new desire. And that desire, God has now allowed me to, to shape and point towards helping people and um, and building people up and I'm, I'm so grateful for it it's that 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 is that feels better than than anything that I could have ever accumulated on my own
0: That's great man and I think that that's the journey that we're all on on the spinning rock is fraught with landmines and everybody's well, I always ask people their story just because your story forms your Subconsciously, right? It forms your beliefs, and your beliefs are what drive your behaviors. And sometimes, if you don't unpack that origin story and really get to understand what you've gone through, where you've come from, who's helped guide you, and you had a father who obviously was inspirational and motivational and entrepreneurial, uh, probably as well as your mother. Then you had this mentor come along that kind of shook you a little bit. He said, "Hey, you know, you're selling vacuums. Doesn't that suck?" See what I did there? <laughs> um, and 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 then you went to sell HVAC. So you went from a career that sucked to a career that blows. See what I did there? Yeah, I got I'm you. Just, I'm full of it. Yeah, I, I get you, man. You, you, you're right. Keep going. <laughs> I'm good, right? And, and then, but then along that journey, you you were thinking that you had everything figured out, right? You you were on the mountaintop, but yet you weren't fulfilled. And I think this is so important. We talk about this when it comes to driving change. Is that no matter who you are, no matter who I've talked to, no matter what mountaintop you're on as a leader, if you've gotten there of your own in your own mind, to your point earlier, of your own doing of your own strength, of your own might, it'll always be empty. It always will be empty because eventually you're going to be in, an, in, in a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Right? Literally or metaphorically, there's a pandemic coming in your life. And Absolutely. So when you work with people today, because you do a lot of training, you do a lot of coaching, where do you find people get hung up the most on from flushing that mind trash out and getting to a place where they can actually change and, and want to do something different? What, what do you, where do you find that? Is there some consistent patterns that you see that people have?
1: Uh, for sure, uh, yeah. I, I think it's interesting in business. Business is just one of those tracks, and I know sports has one of those tracks as well. Um, and I know there are other areas of existence in our lives that have those tracks. It's just interesting that I have been placed on this this business track, and you have as well. And um, yeah, you know, so the training that we do and the coaching that we do is is focused on the five key skills of emotional intelligence right? So we, we start everybody out on this path of understanding these five key skills, personal awareness, integrity, internal motivation, empathy, and social skills. All five things, if you put them on a piece of paper, any high-driving business owner, leader would look at those and say, absolutely. Yeah, oh, I agree. These are things that my people need to know, right? These are things that, that boy, you are hitting the nail on the head. I'm going to, I'm investing with you, Jeff Ruby, <laughs> and uh, you know those are those are the attraction points. But you know, undoubtedly, what ends up happening is that um, uh, we we won't do training unless the leaders participate in the training. So um, you know, if, if a business owner comes to me and says, "Hey, listen, I'm going to put your, put my people in training in leadership training," I'll say, "Okay, so uh, you want to put five people in training? You mean six, right?" <laughs> and right. Uh, and and you know, undoubtedly, what ends up happening is. Um, doesn't matter who it is, whether it's the business owner, the, the salespeople, the leaders within the organization, they begin to look at those five key skills. And as we dig into them, they begin to understand that, wow, personal awareness is my ability to recognize my influence on others. I never really thought about it that way. Well I have Lower personal awareness than I thought. And then we go to the the skill number two and we see integrity. And there's not a, again, not a high driving business leader out there that won't tell you that, oh, I, you know, what's got me here is my level of integrity. But when we break apart integrity and we say integrity is letting your intentions match your actions. And then they begin to say, wow, my integrity is being affected or shaped by my personal awareness. And then we get the internal motivation, right? I'll stop here. And then the internal motivation is this idea of doing the right things for the right reasons. And we talk about intrinsic versus extrinsic. And they say, oh, my goodness how have I gotten this far? Right. And so they, many times what happens is you get this business leader who reaches this point point. they find out, wow, um, I've kind of gone as far as I can go in my thinking. In fact, perhaps I've even started to regress a little bit. And, um, it's at that moment in time that they'll generally ask me, they'll say, well, you know, what did you do, Jeff Ruby? You know, because they've heard my story and they say, well, what did you do? How did, how did it work for you? And I always say the, 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 the goal of leadership is legacy. And the mission of leadership is, is helping people and taking care of people. And, um, you know, some people, I have the opportunity to lead them to faith. Um, that's a great thing. Some people already are, uh, you know, already do have a strong faith and I help them strengthen their faith. And then there's some people that just aren't perhaps being drawn to the faith, uh, in which case I still show them the, you know, do the best I can to show the integrity that I have and, and be, that, and be that, um, that lighthouse, if you will. Um, I always thought to be a lighthouse, not a tugboat, right?
0: Yeah. what you, you're getting to from, even from your story you told earlier, and we see this a lot, it's one of my blind spots at times. My team and I are always kind of joke about it now, even though it's probably not too funny to them always, but um, we have a pronoun problem. Yeah. And my, you know, the pronoun problem is pretty consistent, right? Is that we have an eye problem and, you know, we're helping people build their stories. And one of the first things I, I listen for is how many times they use the word I, <laughs> um, because you can't help it. We're, we, in, the listeners who follow our podcast and who have been part of our tribe know that we teach the science of you know, decision-making and trust and all that, and we're all wired for self-preservation. That's our default setting is self-preservation orientation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's almost unfair, you know, you know, due to lots of reasons we could get into on another sp- spiritual podcast of why we all have this default setting now of self-preservation. We're fighting our own biology in order to be able to help someone else. Yep. It's not natural for us biologically, yet it's the very thing that gives us the feelings you described that you discovered in your 30s. When we live out our own natural biology, earthly biology, it leads to dead end. Yeah. But, so that's the, that's the great irony, I think, of leadership. It's a paradox, right? Total paradox of, of relationships and leadership and relationships in general is that you have to overcome your own DNA in order to be the person you were meant to be. For sure, isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, it is. It just, you know, we 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 literally, um, like you said, self-preservation, right? We we die trying to save ourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's just it's one of those things that when the reality is, we were built to extend and help others.
0: Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's good, and and everyone knows. I don't think again, no one ever disagrees with what makes you feel better, accomplishing something on your own or helping someone else accomplishing something they didn't think they could. And now I'm sure there's a, you know, we say there's, you know, 0.001% of the population are sociopaths, and that is what it is for them. They're not, you know, they're just wired. They got the wrong brain chemistry. They probably need medicated and and need counseling. But for the average human being... You can keep driving down that path of of accomplishment, which I have for sure. Right, you have. We we both we both are wired for that, and we could we could go into a Doctor Phil episode of where that came from at some point. Sure, for each of us is might be different. But man, when, when I see somebody come alive in a story or or discovering something about themselves or accomplishing something they didn't think they could, I just get all kinds of jacked up. Right, yeah. um, so it takes me back to my Ricky Bobby days, where I get jacked up on the Mountain Dew chip. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So based on this emotional intelligence and and Dan Doherty, one of my partners here at Brain Trust, who this is part of what his phd is in is in organizational design coaching and and, and emotional intelligence is a big piece of it so he's he would go nerd city with you on emotional intelligence right now if you were here Uh, can you give the listeners a couple practical takeaways because i like your framework your five points of framework there what are some things people can do some self-evaluation on that you without giving away the whole goods because i want them to go read your book and i want them to go to the website what are some things they can take away practically today
1: the first question that i pose to people is here's something for every everyone to ponder um, when you think about this as a true-false question, humans can at a times need to eliminate emotions from their decision-making. Now, let me, let me rephrase that. From time to time, humans can and need to eliminate emotions from their decision-making. Um, is that true or false, right? Uh, that's a question that I pose in the book. It's a, it's a question that I pose in training. And what's interesting is uh, if the listeners right now, if they've, if they've heard the question, about half of them have said, "Oh, that's a true statement," and then the other half have said, "No, that's a false statement." And it's consistent across the board. It doesn't matter, you know, what size group I go into, where I go into that group, that's that's that that answer is split. I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to give you the answer right now. Uh, you could read the book to figure that out. Um, but here's what I will
0: my listeners say. probably already know the answer, Jeff. But keep on, keep, keep on. <laughs> I'm sure
1: that I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But but here's the, here are the key takeaways. And these are some things that, that folks need to be thinking about. If you think about someone with whom you have a great relationship, and you think about the character of that individual or the reputation of that individual, and you think about the energy that you get when you're around that ind- individual, um, that makes everyone feel good. And, and I would say, right? And, and all the listeners would say, yeah, of course. I mean, that's a no-brainer. I mean, you get paid to do this, Ruby? Okay, uh, that's a no-brainer. Of course it makes me feel good to be around people that I get energy from, that have good character, that, yeah, that, that's good. Okay, th- now here's, here's my next question I would ask them. I, if I asked you to think about someone with whom you didn't have as good a relationship, but an improved relationship would benefit you and benefit others around you, Okay, and you thought about that person. How would you describe the character of that person? Because that person's not as easy for you to get energy from, right? And somebody might say, well, that, that person's character is, you know, they're they're not quite, they're not honest, or or they're they're self-centered, or they're rude, or they're mean, they are attacking, right? And, and then and then they would say the energy that I have when I'm around that person, it, I just get drained when I'm around that person. They're negative. I don't like it. What I would say to them is your ability to recognize when you're in front of that person with whom you don't get as much energy, your ability to recognize that you're in front of that person, yet persevere through that moment and still trust that person uh, for whatever you need to trust them for in that moment, that really is an accurate depiction of your level of personal awareness. And so what I would say to folks is this. Um, We're all around people that drain us, right? You lift me up. You give me energy. I I, I love talking to you. Um, I I, I probably won't say the same about a couple of Zoom calls I'm going to jump on this afternoon. However, my ability to enter those Zoom calls the same way I've entered this call with you is directly related to my personal awareness. And and it's not about self-preservation, right? It's about being able to look at that other person and say, hey, listen, that person has been negatively impacted somehow. And they're looking to me, okay, for hope and for the ability to see how somebody with, with a higher level of emotional intelligence is supposed to behaving, right? Even though they haven't consciously had that thought, that's what, that's what they're looking for. And so when I step into that role and I see somebody who's negative and I pay attention to them and I'm curious and I trust them in a conversation and I persevere through that moment, that's going to give me a lift on my personal awareness, but it also in turn lifts that other person up, right? So I I think the key here is pay attention to your level of personal awareness. Pay attention to your integrity. Your your integrity is when your intentions match your actions. So do you grumble? Uh, Do you grumble in silence? Like, you got to jump on this call again. Right. Do you complain about your customers? Do you complain about the people around? Do you complain about the news and social media? Because if you do, just my my pastor always says, what's down in the well, it it comes up in the bucket. So whatever you're feeling down here, right, is ultimately going to come out through your mouth or through your body language or through your tone. Um, so as leaders, we we want to pay attention to those things. And I I I just I will leave it right there and say, pay attention to your personal awareness and how it affects your level of integrity. And look at integrity as not just being honest. Uh, look at integrity as actually being a, a a good solid example because that's what every human being wants to be. Every human being wants to have a good reputation. That's all we have.
0: No, that's good. I think um, there's some research out there in the past, really five to ten years, uh, and they've coined this phrase "emotional contagion." And it's a real it's a real thing. It's a real effect, and and we've kind of known it intuitively, but now they've kind of codified it. And and what I like to think about it, it aligns exactly what you're saying is. When you're in in a a conversation in any type of an engagement with a person who has that draining effect, whosever emotion is dominant will be what gets caught. Oh yeah, and maybe not permanently, but so when you when you're getting ready to go to a meeting with someone who drains you, rather than drop the head and go, oh gosh, if I I got to endure this next hour, it's just going to be painful. Well, you're going to catch that emotion from them, like you you've minimized your positive impact, and so therefore your actions match up to your point, to that intent of this person's already a negative yeah. De- Debbie Downer, right? And so if conversely, if you can elevate the emotion of empathy, this person's origin story has led them to a place in life where this is how they act. I couldn't even begin to imagine what they've gone through. But today I'm going to be a bright light for them and I'm going to be positive and I'm going to maintain a mindset of, of emotional positivity and hopefully they'll catch some of it. If you, if you But if not, I'm not going to catch what they got. I'm wearing the corona mask. Right. (laughs) I'm wearing the emotional corona mask around those people. Right. For sure. And
1: I think you know I talk about that in the book under in empathy. There's three types of empathy: cognitive empathy, emotional empathy, and compassionate empathy. And what you're talking about is emotional empathy. It's 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 emotions and empathy that's caught from one person to another. And we have to we absolutely have to guard against that and and guard for it. So look for opportunities to be cognitively empathetic. Uh, and and then there are times when you need to be compassionately empathetic and and those are even more on purpose times when you need to be spontaneous with your empathy. So
0: and you and I both share this passion for sales and salespeople. And one of the biggest challenges we find, and it's worth I mean we have a, you know, a one fortune five company we work with. It doesn't matter whether it's a small business or a fortune five hundred company. Um, the salespeople almost always default to self-preservation. And when you really start asking them questions about how their customer feels the day in the life of their customer, they have a really hard time articulating it because their highest level of training is themselves and their product, not their customers and their problems. Right. And so that level of being able to tackle those three tiers of empathy that you discovered and and wrote about in your book and you teach on is huge. It changes every relationship you have. The problem is, to your point, this is part of the cognitive side of it is making it go from the unconscious to the conscious. That's right. Pulling it out of that unconscious and then consciously looking at it on the chalkboard and going, I'm going to have to do that today. Right, right. Yeah, that's really good. So tell us a little bit more about where we can go to learn more about you, how to book you for speaking, how to get your book, uh, your website, um, how we can engage. We have listeners down in Florida. So you're over in Tampa. I know you already, you have a training center there as well when things break back open. How can people learn more about you, Jeff?
1: Absolutely. Redrockleadership.com. And If you go there, uh, I think parked on the homepage right now is the book, Red Rock Leadership, Transform Your Company Culture and Unleash the Potential for Exponential Growth. It's right on the homepage. But uh, you can go there and right on that page as well, if you drop down below, you can see how you can uh, look me up to uh, check me out to be a speaker at, at one of your upcoming events if you'd like to do that. We also have a speaker page which shows uh, some video and things like that. Uh, also, the social media channels, um, obviously, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Uh, YouTube, all those things, they can can certainly find us there as well. Also, um, the Red Rock Leadership Podcast, which um, Red Rock is all one word, Red Rock Leadership Podcast, which is on iTunes and Spotify and all the stations.
0: And from what I understand, you're going to have a really engaging guest on that podcast coming up. Yes, sir. Um, uh, I think that's you. Tony Robbins?
1: Oh, it's me. Oh, wait.
0: <laughs> Somebody much more
1: influential than that. <laughs> so I think that's next week, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken.
0: It, it could be. I have no idea. I, you know, yeah, it, I don't either. You could, could be right. With uh, well, all the listeners out there today, uh, you know, Jeff is a guy that, that he does. He walks the talk. And what I love about Jeff is, is you learn from him, not because he's figured out everything, but because he's made it to the mountaintop. He's also made it in the roadside ditch. And and because of his life experience, uh, he's able to help so many people not only discover their purpose, but walk in integrity and use what he's learned along the way to help them uh, walk in their own purpose. So Jeff, thank you very much for being our guest today. It's been, a, it's been a privilege.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate this. This is a great interview. Thank you.
0: You bet.